You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have an amazing guest, but before I introduce him, slightly different format today. I want to talk about some stats. There are roughly 1.35 million attorneys in the United States of America. A full third of them, or roughly 450,000 of them, are solos, as in working by themselves. Another third, another 450,000 or so, work in small law firms, two to 10 attorneys. Jonathan Merrill, of the law office of Jonathan Merrill has built something much bigger than that. I looked at your website, Jonathan, and you currently have 20 attorneys and I think you're fast growing. I want to hear from you the background story. How did you get here? Because again, statistically, it's extraordinary. Most lawyers never built a law firm of that site, especially in such a competitive market as we are in in Chicago. Sure. So tell us the story, how you got here. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Sasha. First, it's a pleasure to be here excited to talk about all this fun stuff but my story is i it's really a story of just hard work and dedication i mean i i took the bar exam i started after law school in a job in family law and i worked at a previous firm for like seven years really soaking in um obviously the law itself how to practice law how to be successful but I always knew I ultimately wanted to start my own firm. So I used the opportunity to learn what I liked and didn't like about the law firm I was at, things I would change, things that I would keep, obviously stressing the importance to myself of building a network of people, building a name for myself, building a, a personal brand almost that I could ultimately take to my own law firm. So. After doing that and you know learning what I needed to learn, good or bad, I made the leap in 2009 to start my own firm. At the time, I had a law clerk at my previous firm that came with me. She was still in law school, and she was the first employee of the firm, and she's now the managing partner of my law firm. So she's been with me since day one, Melissa uh, Caballero-Dunn. She's been an integral part of the growth, but it was definitely a leap of faith when I decided to start my own practice. It was 2009, you know, I, I had some clients of my own, of course, my, we were about to have our second child, there was a recession. So all a million things were in place to make me say, no, don't do it. But I felt in my heart, this is something that I had to do. I was not fulfilled at my previous job. So I really took this leap of faith and did everything I could to make it work failure was not an option in my opinion. So I had a little office and Melissa had a little cubicle and I just worked day and night making sure that I would do everything possible to continue to bring in business, to let people know that my firm was started and to literally pour in you know, hard work day in, day out, dedication and making sure I was doing the right things that I didn't like at previous my previous firm. and using everything that I learned before to make my firm ideal. And as we built up momentum, Melissa was our first associate when she passed the bar exam, trained her, we worked together again. She was an integral part of this growth. And again, just 
continued to instill the values of hard work and also treating my employees well. I wanted to make sure that my employees were in a place where they felt they wanted to work, they liked to work. So I've always been a big proponent of making sure I create the appropriate culture in my firm to make sure my employees are happy so I could attract the best talent, so I could maintain the best talent. So I have a very limited amount of turnover. So instilling all those values and the hard work and you know, not everything works perfect. You live and learn as you go through business and develop things. But over time, it continued to develop. We moved into a new office. We got more people working for us. And again, by not just all the hard work, you got to do a good job. You got to get results for your clients because they're paying us to do a job. But by continuing to build the brand and to build the relationships I have with my contacts and my network, ultimately it became what it is today. And 14 years later, we're up to 20 lawyers and growing. Yeah, it's a terrific story. I find it super interesting that you started your law firm in 2009. And I remember 2009 very well, like it was yesterday. I'm fascinated with the recessions. And I remember something very unusual about that recession. And that was the fact that a lot of people could not get divorced because they couldn't split the house because right. the house was so far underwater. So it's a precarious time to start yes. a family law law firm. Yes, it was. It was definitely, there were a lot of people that said, you're crazy, now's not the time. You got another baby coming, you know, you need a paycheck and they weren't wrong. But at the same time, I think you have to take risks. And again, I was coming home from work unfulfilled and like I needed to start my own practice at the point. I just, you know, I was not fulfilled working for other people. And I knew I was put here to ultimately start my own business and create something that I've been thinking about. So while the timing was not great, it was definitely some months where, you know, it was a close call, but um, you got to battle through it and do what you got to do to make ends meet. And, you know, again, I'm just a big proponent of if you work your ass off um, and do everything you possibly can, then success will likely come. Certainly. And actually, there were a lot of conglomerates that were started in various recessions, like FedEx. FedEx was right. started during the recession. And there were many, many other conglomerates who were started that were started during significant downturns. And here they are, and here you are. So congrats on that success. The Thank first you. few years, the first few years. Where did most of the cases come from? Was it the referral network that you have built or was it something else? Yeah. So, of course, you know, anyone who starts a new business, you want the phone to keep ringing. And, you know, when you're starting a new business and the phone isn't ringing, you freak out. And I wanted to make sure that I had at least besides my own network and my own contacts and, you know, growing up in Chicago and being a really social, outgoing person, I do have a good network, I think. I know a lot of people, but... I didn't want to rely on that. So at the outset, I wanted to have some sort of marketing service that I would use to hopefully, you know, keep sending me potential clients, leads. And, you know, I experimented. This was some of kind of like the the learning curve that I had to go. And you enter into some agreements with these things and, you know, they get really expensive. And then the leads you're getting aren't necessarily great. But I, I've always been a big proponent of marketing and not just utilizing my own contacts, but utilizing services to 
promote myself on the internet and bring leads in otherwise. So that was something I started at the beginning. Again, some bumps in the road, but even if they weren't great cases, when you're starting out, you just want to have some sort of revenue coming in. So, you know, obviously now we're a little more picky with the type of cases we bring in, but back then, you know, if they had money to pay, I was, I will work day and night to help them as long as they were able to pay me. So I wasn't, you know, choosing which cases I wanted. I'd pretty much take anything to keep myself busy, to keep, you know, some sort of revenue coming in the door. And, you know, by kind of taking chances on different types of marketing platforms where they pay you per lead or you're paying, you know, pay per click ads on the internet, that was able to, you know, trickle in business while I was able to obviously harness the clients that I had previously and then hopefully continue to get referrals from my personal network. Do you have any recollection? How much were you investing into marketing and advertising early on? I was definitely investing more money than I had. That's for sure. You know, I was taking risks. I mean, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a ton of money and I had a family to raise and my wife wasn't working because we just, she just had the baby and I was, you know, there were times where my credit card balances got pretty high and it was freaking me out, of course, as anyone. And I don't like having debt, but I knew I had to take these risks. I didn't have like a pot of money to pull from. So, you know, there were times where, you know, the credit card bills got high and, you know, you're, you're paying the minimums to get through and you're spending more than you probably should. I knew I needed to take these risks if I was really going to get where I needed to be and continue, you know, to establish the firm first and ultimately grow it. So, yes, there were some definitely many sleepless nights, but I think that's probably part of any business owner. And again, that that's what motivated me to work even harder is, you know, I just didn't want failure to be an option. So this is Jonathan, an entrepreneur speaking, not a lawyer speaking, because I've been there more than once and it takes a lot of guts to do what you have done. Like yeah. I, know, I know the sleepless nights firsthand. It is really, really hard. And here's what I find because I get to talk one-on-one, -on -one, probably 250, 200 attorneys per year. Right. Very smart people. Low business acumen is commonplace and very low risk tolerance. Yeah. And to get to where you are, 20 attorneys, extraordinary. It requires this. You have to be gutsy. You have to have business acumen or develop it. Nobody is born with it. Yeah. And you have to take risks. Yeah. And look, it never ends. I mean, here we are almost 15 years in. I still have plenty of sleepless nights. It's not about necessarily the phone ringing, but, you know, different problems are always exist or different worries are always going to exist for any you know, hands-on business owner that wants to continue to, you know, make their employees happy, um, you know, continue to obviously pay my attorneys appropriately, give them the raises they deserve, give them the compensation they deserve. So, you know, I think any business owner is always going to have sleepless nights as long as they're, you know, at the helm of their business. But, you know, the, the problems kind of shift from one to another. But, I think if you if you are if you go into any business that you're starting, any sort of entrepreneur is expecting to have that. It almost motivates them. That's like the adrenaline rush that they almost need and thrive on. Not that anyone wants those sleepless nights or those, 
you know, financial concerns. But again, just like any startup, you know, you've got limited funds to use and you want to make sure that you're using them appropriately. But along with that comes risk taking, which I think, you know, not just a reckless risk, but calculated risks that you hope pay off. So such an interesting point. And often when they speak with solo attorneys, I question their decision-making process when they decided to go on their own because years and years and years into managing a business, it doesn't look like a business. It's simply a job with additional stress and they're not looking to grow. And then the question is like, why? That's a great point. I never even thought about that. That's really a great point. And when I started my firm, I really didn't know what it was going to be. I mean, I had hopes and aspirations that it would turn into multiple attorneys. Did I think I would ever get to 20 lawyers? Probably not. And continue after that? Probably not. But it was always something in my mind. But I've never really thought about that. Like, what what is really the point of starting a solo firm? I'm sure a lot of it is autonomy and not having to work for somebody. But along with, you know, owning the business and running the business, you know, that's an added job that you don't have to have if you're, you know, part of a firm and, you know, you don't have to wear the business owner's hat. You only have to wear the lawyer hat. But, you know, that's an interesting point that you made. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I've been a business owner now. I've owned four businesses. One was ridiculously successful and I sold it very well, actually circa 2009, 2009, uh, yeah, financial services. When everyone else was collapsing, we were growing. Perfectly. Oh, so, so that was really good. A couple others that were not very successful, but what I did find that every time I stepped into the owner's role, I had the worst boss. So <laughs> I'm questioning the sanity of people who, who think, I think conceptually, everybody thinks that once I start my own business, I'm going to make more money and I'm going to have more flexibility. And the opposite is practically always true. You're going to make less money Exactly. You don't have that flexibility, and your boss is going to be the worst person who's going to eat you alive from the inside. You're so that's those are amazing points and great perspective because that is true. Because everyone's like, Oh, you know, you're so lucky you don't have to work for anybody and you work for yourself, but like they don't understand apparently what goes into you know the sleepless nights, the paperwork, the taxes, the benefits, like all the, the office space, paying for things that. You know, you don't have to think about when you're an employee and, you know, when you're part of a larger law firm that, you know, you're just getting your salary and getting your commissions and getting your bonuses. You don't have to think about shit. Do we have enough money to meet payroll this week or those things, you know, are huge weights on any business owner that don't even cross the mind, I presume, of most people who've never kind of taken on that role. 100%. And the way I think about it, it's actually flipped upside down. When you think that you're lucky, you don't work for anyone. I have 53 employees. I work for every single one of them. Right. Of course. It's a much bigger job than working for one boss. I am responsible to be, I am responsible for feeding their families. I screw up. It's on me. And I have so much more responsibility. So I think that. And I never lose sight of that either, because I think that, again, it's just not that I need to look for motivation at this point, but, you know, I want to provide the best possible compensation and life for my employees as I do for my own family. And you're right. It's not just feeding 
you know, your own family. It's feeding everybody. And people are obviously looking to the owner of the business to make it as profitable and successful as possible, of course, with the help of the employees. But that motivates me because I want to give the life that my employees deserve to them. And a lot of that falls on the shoulders of the owner. 100%. How do you, if you were to break down the funnel, how new business comes to you, like what, what's the breakdown of that today? And then I want to talk about the future, how you see that. Sure. So we get a lot of referrals, obviously, through former clients, our personal networks, my personal networks. And what what's really been great to see is that I've been really keen on establishing like a brand as, you know, the Merrill's family law firm using that so people can't really avoid seeing it somewhere, if, whether it be on the internet or, you know, using like streaming TV ads or being sponsors, being involved in charitable associations, having offices throughout the Chicagoland area. So, of course, word of mouth, friends, referrals, our network, that's certainly one source of business. We obviously also invest in, you know, SEO marketing, internet marketing, social media marketing, um, which we, you know, utilize certain partners of ours to help with. And that's certainly a source of business that, you know, obviously helps keep the phone ringing. And I encourage all of my employees, my, my associates, my partners in the firm to, you know, promote themselves. And, you know, we employ many marketing people, not just to promote and expand the brand of the firm, but as I tell the people who work for me, each one of you are your own little brand that you want to promote for yourselves. Sure, you have the umbrella of Merrill Family Law, but at the end of the day, you are your own brand and should do everything you can to promote yourselves with the firm backing. And, you know, I certainly incentivize all of my attorneys to bring in business of their own and, you know, get compensated for that. So I'm always promoting that. So obviously another source of, I don't know if it's necessarily business, but it's more of like the branding of myself and the firm is, you know, being very like outspoken on LinkedIn. It's like a thought leader for the firm for family law, for running a law firm, for how to treat your employees, and obviously giving advice to those who might need a family law attorney. So it's really like a very broad effort on multiple levels. I think that you know, all things are kind of working in unison to create a bigger brand, to create more awareness. And then, of course, at the end of the day, you got to do a good job. It's not just getting people in the door. You want to make sure people know they're coming to affirm that is going to do a great job for them. So that's all part of it. And all of these pieces working together, I think help create the growth of the firm and they create the reputation and brand that we want that keeps people coming in. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It sounds like you have pretty much all of the bases covered and with the divorce rate being what it is, well over 50% at this point, and we're recording this in 2023. Right. Whenever you post useful content, there is a chance that a guy like myself, mid forties, knows someone who may be coming to me and being like, and I've been divorced before over a decade ago. <laughs> hey, do you know someone? And whether I remember the name of the attorney who has not stayed in touch with me since it's been many years, right. if I remember her name or not, but if I've seen your post on LinkedIn or somewhere else, I'd be like, 
you know, I've been following this guy. He has some solid advice. Here's a link to his post. Seems applicable to whatever situation you're going through. So just covering all of the bases, you're doing a lot of networking, community-based outreach, SEO, pay-per-click, social media advertising, social media organic content. Covering all the bases, we call it in marketing world, omnipresence. Sure. Wherever they go, there you are. Right. It, it's that's, so that's that's what we're trying to. I get I don't want to be too in their face, of course, because but again, the more awareness there is that you can spread that, you know, we're a firm that is obviously based in the city, but we have offices throughout the suburbs. And again, also kind of promoting that we're not like your grandfather's law firm. We're more of like the modern law firm. We like to create that brand and image that, you know, we're humans. Of course, we're your attorneys, but we're humans also. So you don't have to feel intimidated walking in the door that, you know, you're going to talk to some grumpy old person in a suit that you don't feel comfortable with or you're intimidated by. I like creating that human to human feeling so clients can, you know, almost see us as friends. Of course, we're attorneys first and we have a job to do, but I want our clients to feel comfortable with us not just treating this necessarily as a business relationship, which I think is a take on family law and divorce that other firms don't convey. Yeah, that's an interesting point. L let's imagine a scenario where one of your attorneys, for family reasons, health reasons, whatever it may be, moved out of state, no longer works for you. They're like, Jonathan, it's been a great journey. I'm going to start my own thing in the state of Indiana, Tennessee, Alabama, wherever. Like, would you mentor me for the first couple of months? Just show me the ropes because I've been a lawyer all my adult life, but they've right. never been a business owner. What are the top three things that you're going to tell them to do to set them up for success? Because it's, again, most attorneys, and I found it fascinating when they first looked at the data from BLS, it, the most recent data that I've seen, median income for an attorney and median uh, experience for an attorney, something like 20 something years, and median income is just under $128,000 a year, which if you've been at a job, a professional job, making $128,000, you and I live in Highland Park, Illinois. Right. It's not you're not, get you're not doing far. well. <laughs> so, like, what do you tell them? What top three things do they need to do to sell Well, again, yeah. Okay. Well, first things, I mean, it's a topic we've already covered, hard work. I mean, if you're not all in and you're not willing to do whatever it takes, then you're not gonna succeed. Nothing's going to be given to you. Certainly nothing was given to me. And if you're not all in and, you know, living and breathing this thing and making it like a child that you're raising, then that's not gonna work. So I think you need that work ethic if you really want to have a successful business in any business. The second bit of advice would be to take risks. Another thing I spoke about, not everything's going to be a sure thing, but I think you have to take calculated risks and take chances that hopefully, you know, you make on an educated basis. But if you just kind of stay the course and, you know, never take that chance, I remember like every time I would do something to expand my business, I'd be terrified. Do I have enough money to pay for my first associate? You know, are we going to hire another person as a receptionist? Even still today, you know, hiring a marketing director, is that something we can afford? Is it going to make sense? 
those I consider all consider are risks. Taking on new people, getting that new office space, upgrading your network, you know, all these things, buying new computers, things that, you know, cost money that are ultimately out of your pocket, which are likely risks, incurring debt. These are all risks that I think any smart business owner at some point has to take. And if you calculate the risks and take the right risks, then I think, you know, most of the time, hopefully they will pay off. There will be those sleepless nights like we talked about, but that's what you're getting into when, you know, you're taking on any business. And then the third bit of advice, which I've always done is hire good people and treat them well. I'm a firm believer that your business is only successful as successful as the people that you have working in it. And if you don't have good talent and your business is not going to be great and you need to get the best talent. And in order to get the best talent, you have to treat them right. You have to compensate them right. And you have to make them your top priority. So, you know, I am always every day thinking about making sure what can I do to make my employees feel comfortable, feel uh, appreciated, want to come into the office, buy into the culture that we've created. So I'm always thinking of clever ways. Obviously, you know, you always want to make sure they're getting paid the right amount. That's important. And that's why we're all, that's why they're doing this. But just other things to like create camaraderie in the office, whether it be, you know, doing an office outing in the city or, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were all rented a trolley and went to a bunch of different bars and restaurants. Or, you know, we have a we have a masseuse come in once a month to give chair massages to everybody. So things like this, which, you know, if you talked about these things 20 years ago, people would have said you're nuts. But this is the world we live in. You really want to make people feel at home and especially in the age of working from home, which. I've never been a big proponent of, even though we offer some sort of minor hybrid, but I, I've always felt like people should be in the office and want to be in the office and being around your colleagues and bouncing ideas off each other and mentoring our younger attorneys and just being there for each other day after day in the office, as opposed to being at home is all part of creating a good work culture that, you know, breeds success. Solid advice. Three things. Go all in, take risks, get the best people you can, make sure that you build a, an internal community with a lot of camaraderie. Yep. Where do you see your firm in 5, 10, 15 years? Well, I see our firm continuing to grow. I think we have such an amazing nucleus of people and people who are, you know, have bought into the firm, know that it's a great place to work. So I'm looking forward to seeing them continue to grow as attorneys, you know, starting to, like I said, create more of their own brands and, you know, bring in substantial business of their own, which they're already starting to do. But as they get older and more experienced and more confident and expand their network, I foresee, you know, many attorneys kind of stepping up and, you know, really having some big years of business of their own, which of course will you know, require more infrastructure to facilitate the more work and overall just continued growth, you know, continuing to kind of expand our suburban locations, which people like in, in this day and age, a lot of people don't like going into downtown Chicago anymore, but hopefully 
our suburban office locations can continue to grow and provide you know a place where our suburban clients can go so all these things we're working on obviously we're going to continue our marketing efforts and continue to establish our brand but i just see uh continued growth on the horizon for the firm which is exciting for everybody I have an idea you might have already thought about this but your advice as far as growing the business one thing that you talked about which is taking risk is i think it would be very controversial for most lawyers and they really need to get that inside of them and understand that it's just part of it mm -hmm. the things that you talked about are so solid when I think about expanding a referral network, professional network of other attorneys who are sending you business, you might have thought about this before. Write a book for lawyers, how to grow their business. You have already accomplished something that most lawyers never will. Just show, bad them idea. The, show them the ropes and send it out and build a community. Maybe teach some classes for lawyers. Yeah. Just I mean, I love this part of my, this part of my job is, the most fulfilling i've had you know through linkedin or other places where people i know or people i don't even know whether it be family law or other areas of the law a lot of people have reached out and asked for advice about taking that first step and a lot of them i see myself you know you're it's very scary and you're worried about taking that step and i i remember like it was yesterday how terrifying it is when you walk out that door of your old job and it's just you and no one's giving you a paycheck just for showing up every day that's a feeling i'll never forget but it's a feeling that again just fueled the fire of mine more but i i love telling my story and you know giving as much advice as i can to people who are doing that so that's that's not a bad idea at all once you already took the first step the 21st step the 101st step <laughs> Again, most lawyers will never have a 20 attorney law firm and you're growing rapidly. I looked at your roster. You've added quite a few people just last year alone. So you're yeah. doing a lot of things right, which most people will not figure out how to do on their own. So start building the legacy within the community and also keep keep expanding the reach. Maybe one day there will be a Morgan of and Morgan of family law. Yeah. Exactly. That's a whole other thing that I've actually talked to other divorce lawyers in other cities about just like having more because you don't see those national family law firms with you know which again if you have the right people establishing them it's not hard to set up law firms throughout the country that can follow the same type of values and philosophy and you know hopefully provide the same level of service to the same to, to the clients yeah, I'm just listening to you and I'm thinking like if there was anyone in family law who could do it, he probably could. You've built already such a solid foundation. And John Morgan didn't build it in like five years. It took him right. a decade. But he got exactly. there and now he has the largest PI firm probably in the world. I know for sure in this country. Oh, for sure. I mean, nobody, nobody's bigger than Morgan. Nobody's bigger than Morgan. <laughs> Jonathan, this was so much fun. If an attorney or a prospective client wanted to find you, how would they find you? Easiest way is our website, which is the easiest domain we have is chicagodivorce.com. Go to Chicago Divorce. You can find information about me and everyone on our team and feel free to reach out. I'm also on LinkedIn. Hard to miss because I post so much, but I'm happy to talk to anyone who's interested and 
starting their own law firm or they have started it have questions i'm always looking to learn new things so i definitely don't know everything so i love just talking to people about the business of law people like you sasha and i'm open to talk to anybody who wants thanks so much this was very insightful like super insights i'm so glad that you were on this podcast i appreciate you having me we got to get together we're in the neighborhood but we just found this out right before we started recording let's i'll send you an email and then we'll get we'll get together i'd love that thanks for listening to the grow law firm podcast if you liked the ideas shared in this episode help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode this episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction growlawfirm.com do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint